But we want to jump straight into our top story this evening. Um, this afternoon, Western Cape Premier Alan Wendy and the Education MEC Debbie Schaefer holding a, a press conference talking uh, the, about the effects of COVID-19 on the restart of the school year. As you know, grade 7s and grade 12 learners restarting their school year last week. The Premier announcing that 98 teachers have, so have been tested positive for COVID-19 in the Western Cape and at least 20 schools have had to close to be disinfected. Um, what I found quite interesting was a, was a presentation by Professor Mignon McCulloch. She's the chairperson of the SA Pediatrician Association, also works at Red Cross Children's Hospital. She joins me now on the line. Uh, Professor, thanks so much. Uh, uh, an enlightening presentation to, to that meeting earlier this afternoon. You set my mind at ease quite a bit in terms of the 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 risk of particularly young people children going back to school but to explain to our, our of our of our of our listeners out there who, who obviously live with the anxiety live with the fear of having either children at home or having older people with comorbidities at home many people are afraid of the restarting of the school year thank you very much for having me on your show um I completely agree with you. I think COVID has added a new layer of anxiety to all of us um, as parents, as doctors, as radio producers and presenters. I think it's an anxious time. And as pediatricians, we can just advise what we think is best for kids and their families because that's what we do best. And we feel that there really are advantages in sending kids back to school. Education is really important for for children. And we think this virus is going to stick with us for a long time, possibly months Mm. or even years. And not everybody can do online learning. Um, Mentally and psychologically, we think it's really important for kids to get back to school. And then from a food security point of view, lots of kids may have their only meal of the day at school. Mm. I was intrigued that about 20 million kids in America are dependent on um, food uh, at school. And then, of course, the safety of children. Lots of children running around the streets. We see lots of cases of trauma, um, of injury of children running around the streets um, who may not be supervised while their parents have gone off to school. Mm. And so we, we know from the studies that have been done that children seem to acquire it less um, and transmit this virus less because the viral load, that's the amount of virus in your body, seems to be less in children than it is in adults. And so I can understand parents um, feeling really anxious about this, but we're saying, you know, in terms of taking your child to the shopping center with you, maybe that's more dangerous than Mm. actually sending your child to school in a controlled environment. And when we say controlled, we say you need to have the basics. Kids must wear their masks. They must have hand cleaning, either washing soap and water or alcohol sanitizing. And you need to have some social distancing. Um, That's really important. And WHO, the World Health Organization, has also said that as communities, we need to look at um, some smart thinking. So do you stagger your school break time so not all those kids are running around the playground at the same time? Do you start them at different times? Do you possibly get the parents to come in and help clean the school desk at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day? And do we also do things that decrease children's anxiety? Mm. So some smart schools I've watched this week have done play acting where their teachers act as students and they actually show them on little WhatsApp videos what the kids can expect. Coming to school, having their temperature checked, washing their hands, 
sitting in um, desks that are a little bit further removed than what they're used to. And so just trying to reduce the anxiety that children might be expecting. Of course, many people are are concerned of the transmission from children to the older people that live in their homes, many of them with comorbidities like hypertension and and, and diabetes, and particularly in our working class neighborhoods, where if you're coming from a uh, living in a tenement block somewhere in an overpark or or lavender, it's very difficult to social distance and to keep space there. Isn't there the concern that children may pick up the, the, the virus, have a very low viral load, but come home and, and, and infect you know, the older people in their family? Yeah, that's a very good question. And from the studies that we've seen around the world, um, there are actually very few children with very serious conditions. Um, most of the, the adults who are getting it are getting it from other adults in their communities. Mm. Um, and so we we actually recommending that all the people who are vulnerable should actually be um, self isolating or staying out of mischief as we call it not not going shopping not going around the communities um, and that the children actually spread this virus far less not only amongst themselves but to the mm. teachers as well so if teachers are getting it um, we suspect that they may be getting it from each other from you know uh, school classrooms not classrooms tea rooms. And also um, the transport getting them to work, so taxis and stuff like that. I guess it's so difficult, and you being a pediatrician, you also have to be somewhat of a child psychologist as well because you're dealing with young children who sometimes can't rationalize a situation. It's so very difficult to tell a five, six, seven year old not to hug their friend or not to touch their friend's hand or essentially be a child. Isn't that going to be probably one of the more difficult tasks of teachers, of, of non-teaching staff at schools uh, and for parents to, to try and draw in that message? How do you tell a child not to touch another person Absolutely. and you try and rationalize the yeah. dangers of a virus that they, they definitely can't see and they probably don't even know or understand about. So this is where as parents and as teachers and as pediatricians or GPs, we actually have to do some age-appropriate education. You can play games. Um, Children are great copycats. So if they see an adult wearing a funky colored face mask, they're going to want to do exactly the same. And if they see all their friends in the classroom doing that, they're going to want to follow and, and copy and do exactly what they're doing. So, But we do completely agree there is a lot of anxiety. And so talking about this, um, uh, telling stories about Sipo or Johnny or Annie and how they relate to this. So there are some um, educational guides that are online that people can access, but it's also about talking about these problems not just in the classroom, but also at home, explaining why it's important that everybody wears face masks, Mm. keep their hands clean, so do a a family hand washing um, ceremony when you all get home, so you all do it together. Um, And this is one time where you can't be hugging your family, um, but possibly hugging your doll. So that's that's very Mm. true. The other really important thing is the golden rule, that if you as a child or as a teacher or as a parent do have signs of um, COVID, if you've got a fever or body aches or a sore throat or any symptoms um, of being unwell, 
that you should not go to school mm. or go to work. This is not the time to be a hero. So Pro- that's very, very important. Professor Mignon McCulloch is the chair of the SA Pediatrics Association. She's also a doctor at uh, the Red Cross Children's Hospital. We are talking about the reintroduction of children to schools. If your child started school over the last two weeks, whether it be in grade 7 or grade 12, or you have concerns about your child returning to school, give me a call, 21 0560567. Eugene in Malmesbury, how are you doing? Hey, very well, thank you, Lester. Um, I'd like to ask your guest, uh, does the doctor know how many children have been diagnosed positive in South Africa? So we um, know that the percentage is something like 0.2% of the adult population. So it's a very small number. Yes, I, I can actually what, what give you the figure, Doctor. So, sorry, Eugene. Uh, sorry, Professor. You broke off. You broke off there for just a, a, a wee bit. You, you you gave the percentage. How much was it? So it's a hundred and one. Sorry, one thousand nine hundred and twenty-nine cases of children under twenty years of age. Okay, and the percentage is zero point two five percent. So it's a minuscule amount of the total adult population. Studies from the UK show that. Under 15s um, are really less than 0.1% of children that have got significant illness and that have died from it. And you're right, we have had two children that have died at the Red Cross Children's Hospital, but both those children had significant other medical comorbidities. So pediatric numbers under 20. Now, most of you may not call a 19-year-old a child still, but the numbers are less than 1% that have, that have, been, um, that have got into big trouble from COVID. Eugene, you have a follow-up there? Yes. Um, in South Africa, as of two weeks ago, Friday, tomorrow, two weeks ago, we had 850 children under the age of 12 that were COVID uh, positive. Um, and if we think in South Africa, the small percentage of people that are getting tested, I don't think you're getting to a 0.2%. If we've tested 1,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 children, 800 is a serious lot. Eugene there, Malmesbury. Another question that's come through is a question of of uh, children showing symptoms. And this, um, we uh, as humans, we only really worried about things that we can see and things that we are cognizant about. Talking about uh, asymptomatic uh, uh, children, is is that is that a possibility at all, Professor? It is a possibility, and we know that in adults it's also a possibility. Mm. So we know that in adults, up to fifty percent of people are asymptomatic. And that's why we are actually advising that everybody wears a mask, everybody keeps their hands clean, and everybody does social distancing. Um, But we know if we look at the general population, that the people that are going to get themselves into trouble, and I I really appreciate your previous um, caller's question, the children will get it, but they seem to not be affected as seriously by it as the adults are, and they seem to not spread it as much as adults do. This is a very different virus to the flu virus, the measles, and the chickenpox that we are used to in children. And we're learning this from the studies in China, in the UK, and in America. So I am with you with anxiety. As pediatricians, we are always very anxious for the kids that we look after, um, but children seem to be affected less.
as 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 I described you as a, as a as a pediatrician who's also you know part time lay child psychologist, and I'm sure you also look at the broader child welfare about the quality of life of of, of children uh, as well. Is is the is the is the risk of infection worth the the loss of school, the perhaps the loss of uh, of that daily? Of course, children need to eat every single day and as much as possible. But do the do the pros uh, do the outweigh the, the 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 cons of of sending children back to school? And I think you've hit the nail on the head. You know, if this virus is going to be with us for another six months or another year. Keeping children out of full-time education for another year is really going to be impossible. Not everybody is fortunate enough to learn online. And all the other mental psychological issues that go with education, as well as, as we've mentioned, the food security and the Mm -hmm. safety. So we actually approving of the staggered approach. And not everybody is rushing back to school at the same time. We're saying with the evidence we've got, let's see how things pan out as we actually introduce um, cleaning of schools and social distancing at school. And I think the fact that we've gone for year seven and year 12 is is really a very wise move Um, and slowly reintroduce and see what happens to these Mm. children. But our hospital is not full of you know, loads of children with COVID, unlike the adult hospitals in the Western mm. Cape. A message that just come through and, and it touches and hits home with many people. It says, Lester, I am a single mother. I have a three-year-old. Uh, whenever I have to go to the store, I have to take the child with me. The child won't wear a mask, this mother says. What what risk is there for children who are either too fidgety or aren't used to wearing PPE equipment, particularly masks? I know that when I, I go I really, out with, with, my, <laughs> with my two-year-old, she refuses point blank. Yeah, I really sympathize with that, Mom. Um, it is very hard for kids under five to be wearing a mask all the time. Um, and as, as we said, the, the younger the kids, they seem to even spread the virus even less. So for the younger kids, the kids under five, I don't think it's practical for them to be wearing masks all the time. Um, if the parents do, as I said, they sometimes will copycat, but we know that those children seem to spread less of the virus than the older kids. So the children we're talking about are the sort of 6 to 16-year-olds. The early childhood children and the babies we know can't be wearing masks. And so I really sympathize with that, Mom. But just keeping hands washed um, and just trying as best as you can, we know that we haven't seen very many children of this age being admitted um, with serious conditions. What would be more advisable? Um, a visor, a see-through visor or a, yeah. a face mask? I, I see many I people u- using the, the visor as a, as a substitute for the face mask. Is, is, yeah. that, is that correct? So I really wish the evidence would show that the visors are better. I keep looking for articles and at the moment it still shows that the face masks are better because it contains all the little droplets that come out of your mouth and nose. The visor is excellent for big droplets that you may spit um, out of your your mouth into somebody's eyes, but unfortunately doesn't actually um, stop the spread from your mouth into somebody else's nose and mouth. So sadly for now, the masks definitely carry the advantage over the visors. Um, and the other problem is what do you do with a visor when you take it off and it's got all the, the droplets on the inside or on the outside of it? How do you keep it clean? So... We, we keep looking, we're constantly looking at various um, articles and papers and research, mm. but at the moment, 
if you were to compare them, masks, I'm afraid, carry the advantage. Overall, this this seems to be a a, a global health crisis where things change so rapidly. Um, one week, I could read a news article from a, a credible news source that says... Uh, Study A says this, and then a few days later, uh, there'll be another story from another reputable news source and saying, well, World Health Organization says, well, we're looking at study A and maybe rethinking it. And is this, this, this causing consternation with me in terms of how I live my life and I, how I daily assess my risk of who I interact with and where I interact. Uh, but but that obviously has to cause a lot of concern, you know, with, with average everyday people and parents. And even with average everyday doctors. <laughs> so we get you, you know, we might be changing things almost on a daily basis. But the advantage in a way for South Africa is that we've got very large studies coming through from countries um, that have experienced this in large numbers who are sort of three, four, five months ahead of us. Mm. So we can see the big studies in China, the big studies in um, in the UK, the big studies in Italy showed that children at any rate were far mm. less affected. And, and that's really comforting, I think, for parents of children. It's not so comforting for the older folks, and mm. you know that that is a concern. And so, if you're an older folk, best that you actually and you've got an underlying condition. Um, I'm not an older folk doctor; I'm a children's doctor. But I would say that you should then be looking after yourself and and staying mm. out of trouble. But the little guys, fortunately for this virus, they seem to have a better time of it, and that's the only sort of glimmer of hope that we've got in in all of this. Professor Mignon McCulloch, she is a chair of the SA Pediatrics Association, is a doctor at the Red Cross Children's Hospital. How do you feel as a parent? How do you feel as a grandparent at home who in the next month or so, or maybe your your grandkids are already at school? How do you feel about sending them back and, you know, that risk of them coming back and... uh, all the, the precautions that we have to do as, you know, as families. How do you feel about that? 021 446